Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Trina Fairley-Barlow, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. So for this edition, we're really focused on a single issue. We want to talk about the September 22nd executive order on combating race and sex stereotyping released by the White House on September 22nd, and there is a lot to talk about. So Trina, let's start with you, and can you talk a little about what the executive order requires? Sure, Peter, thanks. The executive order bans government contractors and federal grant recipients from providing or requiring certain types of anti-racism and anti-sexism workplace training. The executive order specifically states that it is banning any form of training that, quote, inculcates in its employees any form of sex or race stereotyping or any form of race or sex scapegoating. And the executive order goes on to state that it prohibits training that assigns fault or blame or bias to a race or sex or any members of that race or sex because of their sex. Significantly, it also bans training that includes as part of its training any ideas that race or sex bias is either conscious or unconscious or that individuals are inherently racist because of their race or inherently sexist because of their sex. And so, Trina, that's really helpful background. So going to kind of the next level, does it provide specific examples of the concepts that are banned? The language is pretty amorphous. So does it give some granularity on that? It does. And I think that's right, Peter. I mean, the language is very broad and frankly, without many clarifying definitions to really explain what is and what is not permitted. But to give you a sense of what is considered a banned concept or training topic, the order states that concepts that are banned include training that one race is inherently superior to another race, Another example is any training that suggests that an individual, by virtue of his or her race or sex, is inherently racist or sexist or oppressive. And then it says whether consciously or unconsciously, which is significant given the unconscious bias training that a lot of employers are utilizing in connection with its diversity and inclusion trainings right now. Another example is that it states that Training should not include concepts that an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment solely or partly because of his or her race or sex. So you can see pretty quickly that this type of ban could also limit or preclude, it's unclear, certain types of required anti-discrimination or anti-harassment training that we typically see companies utilizing today. So can you talk a little about when this goes into effect and some of the things that companies should be thinking about right now as they sort through what sounds like some tension and some uncertainty and complexity? And that's right, Peter. The executive order states that it goes into effect immediately, but there are some important timelines in the executive order that contractors and grantees should be aware of. First, the executive order states that within 60 days of the date of the executive order that key contract clauses and prohibitions will be included into contracts entered after about November 22nd. 
What's significant is that this contract clause and the prohibition stated in the executive order won't just apply to prime contracts, but also to subcontracts and purchase orders. Now, having said that, it's still unclear whether the executive order's requirements will be enforced with respect to existing contracts before or, frankly, after November 22nd. A lot of that will turn on what enforcement mechanism is established. The executive order directs the OFCCP to establish a hotline to investigate complaints under the executive order and under executive order 11246. And the purpose of that hotline is to receive complaints from individuals about federal contracting training programs that violate this executive order. The same executive order also states that the OFCCP must publish by October 22nd a request for information that seeks information from federal contractors, subcontractors, and employees of those contractors regarding the specific training workshops that are being provided by contractors or federal grant recipients. And even though there is no timeline for that, that really suggests that if this executive order moves forward in terms of enforcement, that there could be a pretty broad reach and pretty specific review of training materials by the agency. And in terms of what to expect, we've heard from some clients, some companies that have gotten concerns or complaints from employees already. And I think it's spanned the wide range of what impact this order might have on certain diversity initiatives to, on the other end of the spectrum, concern that existing programs conflict with the executive order. So how should companies be thinking about that feedback, which I suspect is going to be very divergent? Yeah, I think that's right, Peter. I mean, companies and contractors in particular have, there is this tension to address that you talked about. On the one hand, the potential penalties under this executive order for noncompliance are pretty strict. They include contract cancellation, suspension, and debarment. On the other end of the spectrum, however, removing traditional anti-discrimination, anti-harassment trainings, and DNI trainings that touch on unconscious bias could also trigger complaints from protected groups who consider the removal of these trainings to be discriminatory, retaliatory, or to create a pattern and practice of systemic workplace discrimination. So contractors really have to carefully weigh the potential risk of noncompliance with this executive order. But on the other side, the potential risk that removing certain trainings could trigger in the short term Title VII claims, for example. Additionally, there are a handful of jurisdictions that have very specific training requirements, particularly in the anti-harassment space, and include what types of information should be included in training. So contractors also have to be careful that they're not running afoul of the laws in their particular state or jurisdiction as well. So it's really imprudent, we think, for contractors to start with a review of their materials and then make some determinations, at least in the short term, about whether and when to change any training materials that are being utilized. And that's a, a really good place to end. It's a helpful summary and so many different things to be thinking about. And of course, Trina and the rest of our team is standing by to help and support questions that you all may have. And with that, 
we will close out. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Trina can be reached at 202-624-2830. Thank you so much for listening. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.